Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Monday, January 30th, 2023. It is the Feast of St. Martina, Virgin and Martyr. And I got an exciting lineup for you this weekend, or this week, rather. Uh, It was an exciting weekend. Let me tell you, I went on this fishing trip, and I'll tell you all about it. In the after show, during the after show, I'm going to tell you about this crazy fishing trip. Let me just tell you. It involved sharks, flying fish, seasickness, and I almost went over the end of the boat. So we'll talk about that in the after show. But what did you do this weekend? Were there birthday parties, church festivals, brunch with the in-laws? I'm curious. Let me know in the comment section if you're watching online. If you're listening on the radio, well, be sure during the after show, that'll be 30 past the next hour, you hop on one of our social feeds. You can find our all of our social feeds at grnonline.com forward slash cdt and you can join in the conversation right there and before i forget the grn is seeking a new talented production manager so submit your resumes to careers at grnonline.com if you think that you would be a good fit to work on the catholic drive time team send your resumes at careers at grnonline.com uh, so this uh, today, we have a lot going on. So at 15 past the hour, we're going to discuss the clarifying statement. So Pope Francis, after everybody was freaking out about the comments on homosexuality, he clarified his statements. And so we'll discuss that at 15 past the hour. And, uh, well, did the clarifying statements make things better or worse? We're going to discuss. At 30 past the hour, we're going to have more breaking news from Rudy Carlos and our my friend Bug Hall, who played Alfalfa and Steven Spielberg. Little Rascals. He'll be joining us to talk about celebrity worship in Hollywood, from Shia LaBeouf to Mel Gibson. And in the next hour, Tito Edwards with BigPulpit.com, he's going to be on to join us to talk about priestly celibacy. But uh, without further ado, Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. I'm here at the uh, the what's called the ones and twos, and uh, you know, make my way here, make my way downtown. <laughs> Absolutely. Say a prayer for Rudy Carlos. He's uh, doing juggling uh, multiple balls now. He's going to be doing uh, some of my old job, and he's going to be doing his job, and so that's a lot going on. So if you could spare an extra prayer for Rudy, thank you very much, Rudy. I need all the help. Thank you. Absolutely. And so without further ado, let's jump right into it with our memorare. Let's pray for your intentions. Let's pray for Rudy. And and let's pray that we have a blessed Monday. Because, you know, Mondays, they can be a little rough sometimes. Mondays, we kind of people, we wake up and we say, the weekend's over. It's now Monday. But you know what I say? I say this is a great opportunity to suffer and to offer up this Monday for the glory of God. So let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. 
Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday. Well, it's actually Monday, January the 30th. I'm Rudy Carlos with your latest breaking news and stories. Catholic News Agency reports Mark Howe trial. Jury deadlocked and will resume deliberations today. The jury deciding the fate of pro-life activist Mark Houck could not come to a decision on whether the Catholic father of seven broke a federal law in a shoving incident outside of a Philadelphia abortion clinic in 2021. The jury was sent home on Friday two hours after being sent to deliberate and came to a deadlock. Houck is charged with two counts of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, better known as the FACE Act. Breitbart reports Air Force General believes U.S. will be at war with China in 2025. He says, my gut tells me we will fight. I hope I'm wrong, but my gut tells me we will fight in 2025, General Mike Minahan, head of Air Mobility Command, told officers in a memo on Friday. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Patrick, uh, Patrick Ryder said in a statement in response to the memo that the U.S. defense strategy makes clear that China is the pacing challenge for the Department of Defense and that their focus is to work alongside allies and partners to preserve a peaceful, free, and open Indo-Pacific. Just the News reports U.S. taxpayers to pony up $30 million to help world's fifth-rank economic power reduce plastic pollution. U.S. taxpayers will be on the hook for $30 million in a new cooperative grant funding to reduce plastic pollution in India, according to a notice of funding opportunity posted by the United States Agency for International Development mission in India. Although India is still considered a developing country, its economic growth is expected to outpace all major economies next year. And in case you were wondering, what was the real reason behind Pope Benedict's resignation? Well, here it is. This is from Catholic News Agency. Letter from Benedict XVI reveals the central motive for his resignation. His biographer says, According to papal biographer Peter Sewold, chronic insomnia ultimately led Pope Benedict XVI's decision to resign in 2013. The biographer said that Benedict XVI had used strong sleeping pills and that after a trip to Mexico and Cuba in March of 2012, after falling and waking up with uh, blood all over his, uh, his handkerchief, he sought medical attention. Benedict was able to continue his program. However, following the incident, the Pope's personal physician ordered Benedict to reduce his intake of sleeping pills and stressed that he should only attend public appointments in the morning when traveling abroad. On this account, Benedict reasoned that he should make way for a new Pope who would be able to attend World Youth Day uh, in Rio de Janeiro in 2013. Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The Saint of the Day is Blessed Mary Mancini of Pisa. I'm pretty sure you're you're required to put your hand out and say Mancini of Pisa whenever you say her name. She was born on the 21st of March, 1474. She was of noble parentage and from infancy began to enjoy the miraculous favors with which her life was filled. At the age of three, she was warned by some heavenly agency that the porch on which she had been placed by a nurse was unsafe. Her cries attracted the nurse's attention, and they had barely left the porch when it collapsed. When she was five, she beheld in an ecstasy the dungeon of a place in Pisa, in which Peter Gambacorta, one of the leading citizens, was being tortured. At Catherine's prayers, the rope broke and the man was released. Our Lady told the little girl to say prayers every day for this man, because he would one day be her benefactor. Catherine would have much preferred the religious life to marriage, but she obeyed her parents when she was married at the age of 12 and widowed at 16. 
she was compelled to marry again. Of her seven children, only one survived the death of her second husband, and Catherine learned through a vision that this child too would soon be taken from her. Thus, she found herself at the age of 25, twice widowed and bereft of all her children. Refusing a third marriage, she devoted herself to prayers and works of charity. She soon worked out for herself a severe schedule of prayers and good works, fasting and mortifications. She tended the sick and the poor, bringing them into her own home and regarding them as our Lord himself. She gave her goods to the poor and labored for them with her own hands. Our Lord was pleased to show her that he approved of her works by appearing to her in the guise of a poor young man, sick and in need of both food and medicine. She carefully dressed his wounds and she was rewarded by the revelation that it was in reality her Redeemer whom she had served. St. Catherine of Siena visited Pisa at about this time, and the two saintly women were drawn together into a holy friendship. As they prayed together in the Dominican church one day, they were surrounded by a bright cloud, out of which flew a white dove. They conversed joyfully on spiritual matters and were mutually strengthened by their meeting. On the advice of St. Catherine of Siena, she retired to an enclosed convent of the Second Order. In religion, she was given the name Mary, by which she is usually known. She embraced the religious life in all its primitive austerity, and she founded a new and much, and much more austere house. Our Lady's prophecy of his benefactor was thus fulfilled. Blessed Mary was favored with many visions and was almost in constant prayer. She died in 1491 and was beatified by Pope Pius IX in 1855. Blessed Mary Mancini of Pisa, pray for us. And the gospel of the day is from Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 34. So they came to the further shore of the sea in the country of the Gracians. At the same, as, and as soon as he had disbarked, a man possessed by an unclean spirit came out of the rock tombs to meet him. This man made his dwelling among the tombs, and nobody could keep him bound any longer, even with chains. He had been found with fetters and chains often before, but had torn the chains apart and broken the fetters, and nobody had the strength to control him. Thus he spent all his time night and day among the tombs and the hills, crying aloud and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran up and fell at his feet and cried with a loud voice, Why dost thou meddle with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee in God's name, do not torment me. For he was saying, God, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is thy name? The spirit told him, My name is Legion. There are many of us. And it was full of entreaties, and he would not send them away out of the country. There at the foot of the mountain was a great herd of swine feeding, and the devils entreated him, Send us into the swine, let us make our lodging there. With that, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits came out and went into the swine, whereupon the herd rushed down at full speed into the sea, some two thousand in number, and the sea drowned them. The swine herd fled and told their news in the city and in the countryside that so that they came to see out to see what had befallen. And when they had reached Jesus, they found the possessed man sitting there, clothed and restored to his wits, and they were overcome with fear. Then those who had seen it told the story of the possessed man and what had happened to the swine, whereupon they began entreating him to leave their country. So he embarked on the boat, and as he did, so the man who had been possessed was eager to go with him. 
But Jesus would not give him leave. Go home to thy friends, he said, and tell them all that the Lord has done for thee, and what great mercy he showed thee. For he went back and began to spread the word in Decapolis of what Jesus had done for him, and all wondered at it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say about this passage. I will focus only on three points. One is a point that Cornelius Alapide doesn't make, but I think is very, very important due to our skeptical age. The possessed, he was possessed by the devil. This man was possessed by the devil. He did not have mental illness. This is a grave error that many people try to make. They try to say, oh, well, you know, in the past, people were not as educated as us people today. And so they didn't understand that this guy probably was just schizophrenic. Maybe he had bipolar disorder. He went into seizures and people just assumed that he was possessed. Well, hence, they actually make the point to make clear that this man was possessed. He was able to break chains with his hands. This is a, a unbelievable strength. Even people with mental illness, people who have a running on adrenaline are not able to do this. This is why people in mental, uh, mental illness wards are, are strapped down and they're not able to burst through them. And so this person was bound by chains, yet they were able to break off. Not to mention that our Lord recognized that this person was possessed by the devil and our Lord is omnipotent being God and therefore he would not make this mistake. The second point that's very important that Cornelius Alapide makes is that the power of the name of God, that these demons trembled at the invocation of our Lord and of our Lord's holy name. So think about that. Whenever you're in danger, invoke the holy name of Jesus because the devils fear that name. They tremble whenever God is invoked. And so the third point is, I think, the most important. And this is the invocation of the devils as legion. They say, I am legion. And the devil can only ape God. He can only mock and distort what is God's. And so what he's doing here is he's distorting the heavenly host and trying to show, look, we too have armies. Just as God has his heavenly host, we are legion. And we, it is made the point, Mark is trying to make the point that we do battle not with flesh and blood, but with demons and principalities. That is our primary enemy. And Mark makes clear that our primary weapon against these enemies is the holy name of Jesus. So let's meditate upon that today. When we get back, we are going to discuss what Pope Francis clarified about his comments on homosexuality being a sin. All that and more on the other side of the break. And don't forget to get your car raffle tickets. Go to grnonline.com to get your raffle tickets if you want to rent a new Mercedes. Hey, Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh. Danke. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and I am so happy to be here with you today. We got a lot of news that's a little concerning. Over the weekend, there was a flood of information. While I was on the open seas, I was in the Gulf of Mexico, kind of the open seas. I was in the Gulf of Mexico. I was fighting against seven-foot waves. Okay, I wasn't fighting. The captain was fighting. I was just on for the ride. There was tons of news that was coming out, but... One thing stood out to me in particular, and if you want to hear about my fishing stories, you have to tune in for the after show. At 30 past the hour, we're going to discuss whatever you want to talk about, but I'm going to tell you my fishing stories. And let me tell you, I caught the biggest fish I've ever caught in my entire life, and I'll tell you about that. We also encountered some sharks as well. Anyway, back to what's concerning us. Over the weekend, on January 28, 2023, at 5 a.m., CNA reported that Pope Francis clarifies comments on sin and homosexuality. It should have said it is a sin, as is any sexual act outside of marriage, the Pope wrote. We, you may remember the story. We talked about it last week on Catholic Drive Time. But Pope Francis came out today, and he, and he clarified his statements. And at first, I heard this, and I was like, okay, this is good news. This is why, you know, we should... Be slow to report on the news, you know, let things simmer for a minute, see what happens, what comes out. But then I started reading the clarification and I was thinking, oh, if this is a clarification, may not be as good as we thought. So let me read a little bit from this report for me for you. It says, when I said it is a sin, I was simply referring to Catholic moral teaching which says that every sexual act outside of marriage is a sin. The Pope wrote to Jesuit Father James Martin in response to a request for clarification. Now, if you don't know who Father James Martin is, well, he is a very notorious advocate for, let's just say, immoral vice. He kind of skirts the line, tries to use mealy-mouth language, tries to use the modernist tendencies to try to skirt around without explicitly denying Catholic teaching. He tries to promote homosexuality. This is a grave error. And it's very telling how Pope Francis is very buddy-buddy with Father Martin. And many people try to write that off and say, well, he doesn't know who Father Martin is. It's kind of interesting because he's interacted with Father Martin more times than he's interacted with Cardinal Burke, to my knowledge, more times than he's interacted with Cardinal Zinn, to my knowledge, it's very interesting, to say the least. The other thing that's interesting is that this statement that he makes here is technically true, 
but it's also false by error of emphasis. Let me read it again. When I said it is a sin, I was simply referring to Catholic moral teaching, which says that every sexual act outside of marriage is a sin. Now, this is technically correct. Every sexual act outside of marriage is, in fact, a sin. That is technically correct. The problem is that he said, I was simply referring to Catholic moral teaching. The reason why this is this is problematic is because when you say that, you're equating homosexuality, the sin of sodomy, with every other uh, sexual act outside of marriage, which is not the case. We'll cover this in a second when I get over to this. And Francis said he was trying to say in the interview that criminalization of homosexuality is neither good nor just. Now, I'll come back to this point in a second, but let me continue reading. As you can see, I was repeating something in general, he wrote. I should have said it is a sin, as is any sexual act outside of marriage. That is to speak of the matter of sin. But we know well that Catholic morality not only takes into consideration the matter, but also evaluates freedom and intention, and this for every kind of sin. Martin publishes the Pope's Spanish-language letter in an English translation on the website of Outreach on January 27th. Martin is the editor of Outreach, which describes itself as an LGBT Catholic resource. Uh, Skipping ahead in this document, he says, When speaking about the sin of sexual activity outside of marriage, he added that, Of course, one must also consider the circumstances which may decrease or eliminate fault. End quote. There's a lot to unpack here. And this is, this is very concerning. Let me start here. The criminalization of homosexuality is neither good nor just. Now, he says that homosexuality is not a sin. I mean, it's not a crime. He said it is a sin, but it is not a crime. What does he mean by that? Because if he's speaking, okay, He's saying, in the United States, it is not a crime, but it is a sin. Well, then technically that would be true. But it's not technically true to say homosexuality is not a crime because there are countries in the world where it is a crime. There are many. In fact, I would probably say, without looking it up, most countries in the world would deem homosexuality to be a crime. Now, he says that it should not. It is neither good nor just to criminalize sodomy. This is also a problem because the church has supported criminalization of sodomy in the past. And so if that's the case, you're saying that the church erred in the past and now we got it right? That in the past it was wrong to have, it is neither good nor was it just to criminalize sodomy. This is also a problem because sodomy is condemned by our Lord. This is something that is condemned by Holy Scripture. It is one of the sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And this brings me to my next point, which I brought up at the beginning, which is to equate sodomy with all other sexual acts, with all the other sexual sins. Because you have to understand, there are what's called a natural vice, and then there are what's called an unnatural vice. A natural vice is something that is towards our nature, but is disordered in its direction. What do I mean by that? Uh, what I mean is, for instance, if you commit fornication, if you have sex before you're, you're married, for instance, you are committing the, the marital act outside of marriage. That is a mortal sin. You should not do that. That is a grave sin. However, it is a natural vice, meaning 
it is towards our nature. We as human beings are made for a man is made for a woman, a woman for man. And so we have a natural tendency towards by our concupiscence to commit fornication. And we have to fight against that and only have the marital act within marriage. That's why we call it the marital act. But when you violate that, it is not an unnatural vice. It is a natural vice because that is geared towards our nature. Because the the act, the marital act outside of marriage is it's still geared towards procreation of children. And so it is still a natural sin. It is a natural vice. Whereas sodomy is an unnatural vice. Now, I won't go into the details about what I'm talking about because it's unnatural and therefore very gross. But the, the act of sodomy is unnatural. It does not, it's not, uh, it does not produce fruit. It does not give life. It's not life-giving. It is inherently violent and gross, which is why we have a natural aversion to it. And what I, why this is important to bring up is because we cannot equate natural vice and unnatural vice because some sins are, in fact, greater than others. Now, the Protestant error is to say, okay, all sin is an offense against God, and therefore all sin is the same. But we know as Catholics that we have at least two categories of sins. We have mortal sins and venial sins. So if you tell a white lie, you'd say you see your wife and she is in a dress you don't particularly like, and you say, oh, you look lovely today. Well, you may not actually think that she looks lovely today, and you may commit a white lie, a small venial sin. Now that we should not want to commit any sin. Any sin is an offense against God, and so we should avoid all sin. But we do recognize that that's a small sin. Now, if you lie on, I don't know, you you lie to someone, and by your lie, you end up stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from someone, well, that's a grave lie. That's a big lie. And therefore, that is a sin worthy of greater condemnation. What about lying about a fish you caught? What it, that is definitely... A mortal sin? Probably not a mortal sin. Probably a venial sin. Oh, okay. Right. But uh, yeah, that that's a good point, though. Like we exaggerations, exaggerations are in fact venial sins, and so we should try to avoid exaggerations as much as we can. But to the point about this with Pope Francis, this is this is concerning, because when we start equating sin, this becomes a grave error that we fall into, because then you start to normalize it. You start to say, okay, well, the unnatural vice, it's just like fornication. And I know a lot of people who commit fornication. And yeah, all sin is bad, but it's not that big of a deal. Uh, everyone's doing it, and it becomes very bad. And we also have to note that sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance have always been criminalized. And what are the sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance? Depriving a worker of their wages. So if you don't pay your employee, that is a sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance. That's always been criminalized. Murder has always been criminalized. Sodomy has always been criminalized. Because these sins are unnatural, and they, and they offend God in a grave and serious way. So that's a very important point. The other thing that I think is incredibly important that we have to cover is the fact that Pope Francis said, Of course, one must also consider the circumstances which may decrease or eliminate fault. Now, yes, it's true that in order for a sin to be mortal and for, and for a, a sin to be weighing upon your soul, you have to know it's a sin and you have to freely choose to commit it anyway. The problem with what Pope Francis is saying here 
is that the sin of sodomy, since it's so unnatural, by natural law, we all know it's wrong. We all know intuitively that it is wrong. So that kind of makes this a second point that's very important. The other thing is there is no circumstance in which you can eliminate fault. Can you give me an example in which which it makes it okay for you to commit sodomy, in which it makes it okay to commit fornication? If any of these sins, why is it that what what circumstance could there be that would create this circumstance that makes sodomy or fornication or any number of unnatural vices okay? I can't think of any. Let me know if what you think. If do you, is there a sin that you can think of that would be fornication, adultery, sodomy, uh, depriving a worker of their wages? Could you give me an example of where there is an elimination of all fault? Now, you might say, okay, maybe it's venial. They didn't know better or they were brainwashed. They had just been indoctrinated by the culture so much that they thought that it was okay. Okay, well, it would still be a venial sin at, at, at best case scenario. This is a very serious issue. And, you know, maybe, and maybe Pope Francis's clarification, uh, people have already been saying, okay, well, this was being reported by Father Martin. And so, you know, can we really trust what Father Martin said? He said that this was a letter from Pope Francis. Maybe he's lying. Well, you know, I like to give the benefit of the doubt and say that I don't know. I don't think Father James Martin is lying to us. But even if he was, and even if Pope Francis did not say this, this is being purported. And so I think it's important that we bring up and we tell people this is what's happening. And if people tell you this, this is how we have to respond to it. So let's pray for Pope Francis. Let's pray for Father James Martin. And let's pray for everyone who suffers from this inclination towards immoral vice, towards unnatural vice. Let's pray for these people. Let's pray for their conversion. Let's pray for them to return to the church, to abandon their sin, because we desire that all men be saved. And they can only do this if they reject their sin, accept Christ, and hold fast to all of of the church's teaching. Every little bit of it. Coming up next is Bug Hall talking about celebrity worship. Does Jesus condemn praying the rosary in Matthew 6, 7 when he says, as the King James renders it, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do? Protestants think so. What's the Catholic response? First, Jesus is not condemning repetitious prayer per se. If he were, well then he would be condemning himself, since according to Mark 14, 39, he prayed multiple times, Father, remove this cup, not what I will, but what you will. But that's absurd. So what was Jesus condemning? He was condemning Gentile prayers, which were mindless repetitious prayers, as the Greek text suggests. The Gentiles recited prayers only to appease their gods. They were, as the RSV translates it, empty phrases, having nothing to do with expressing one's love for the gods. That's what Jesus is condemning, not the repetitious prayer of the rosary. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well... 
do you? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Now here's a couple more headlines for you. The Epic Times reports, Green Comet zooming our way, last visited 50,000 years ago. Um, I'm going to doubt the timeline here, but in any case, you can still check out this awesome Green Comet. The dirty snowball will come within 26 million miles of Earth on Wednesday before speeding away again, unlikely to return for millions of years. Discovered less than a year ago, this harmless green comet already is visible in northern night skies with binoculars and small telescopes and possibly the naked eye in the darkest corners of the northern hemisphere. It's expected to brighten as it draws closer and rises uh, higher over the horizon through the end of January. Best seen in pre-dawn hours, by February 10th, it will be near Mars, which is a good landmark. If you look up in the sky and you can identify Mars, well, you're probably going to be in the right uh, area there to see this green comet. And the Catholic Vote Loop, which I recommend you subscribe to, just go to catholicvote.org and sign up for their loop email. They report a predator's paradise in this dark, disturbing, but necessary and deeply compassionate piece of journalism. Abigail Schreier warns that a radical pro-LGBT politician in California may be laying the groundwork for a national nightmare. Thanks to his efforts, she says, quote, adult sexual predators of all orientations in California have gained greater access to child victims, Schreier warns, and he is already legislating for the country, establishing a model for ambitious progressive office holders to follow and inviting America's misunderstood children to flock to the Golden State. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rudy Carlos, for keeping us up to date. And have I mentioned that we are giving away a Mercedes-Benz? Have I mentioned that? ah. How can you uh, win this, you may ask? Well, if you go to grnonline.com, you can purchase a raffle ticket. There are a there are twenty five dollars for or a ticket. Sorry, twenty five dollars a ticket, five for one hundred dollars to win a twenty twenty three Mercedes Benz CLA two fifty. The drawing will be on February twenty fourth, so the time is ticking away. So you're going to want to get your tickets. Go to grnonline.com to get your car raffle tickets. Only $25 for a ticket. You could win. A Catholic Drive Time listener won last time. So I'm thinking that that is the trick. If you're a Catholic Drive Time listener and you buy tickets, I think that means you win. (laughs) I don't know. No promises. I think that's how it works. You do have to read the fine print to make sure to take a look at that. Put your reading glasses on, look through it. It does say you have to come and pick us up here at the Houston station. You have to drive us to Taco Cabana and go through the drive-thru and let us do a live broadcast in your Mercedes-Benz. But that's it. I mean, that's the only small fine print there. That's it. You don't have to worry about anything else. That's, That's all. It's just the small little caveat there. Absolutely. Very casual. And if you want to take us somewhere nicer, I mean... Taste of Texas is down the road, by I'm the way. just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. But joining us in a second is Bug Hall. He's supposed to be joining us in about a minute. And he's going to talk about celebrity worship. Because if you don't know, Bug Hall was the star in Little Rascals by Steven Spielberg. He played Alfalfa. You know, you are so beautiful to me it's very cute very cute but he got out of the hollywood culture he converted to catholicism many years ago and now he was living on a ranch with his daughters 
And his family is a very devout family. So I invited him on to talk about this celebrity worship, especially, you know, we had Shia LaBeouf and people were reportedly saying that he they saw him dressed in drag recently for a for a new movie. Um, plus, we had no Mel Gibson. He's a fair, famous celebrity who is Catholic, but, you know, he's known for his drunkenness and revelry. And Neil McDonough, he's also a very well-respected Catholic uh, actor who is very, very positively. He does not do sex scenes because he thinks that would be a front against his own and his uh, his wife's sexuality, since he would be in a in a compromising situation with a woman who's not his wife. Uh, so th- that's good, but at the same time, he's making a Left Behind film, and that's promoting Protestant theology. And so we're going to talk about that with Buck Hall as soon as he joins us. And if he doesn't join us, I have another story that I want to share with you. But I really do think that this is a a serious concern because as Catholics, we kind of we desire to be loved by the culture. That's just part of us as human beings. As human beings, we have what is called a desire for human respect. And so if you know, if you pray the litany of humility, you will pray, Lord, that I be despised over others. Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. And in that prayer, you say, grant me the grace to desire it because we have a natural tendency to want to be liked. We want people to like us. We want to be part of the culture. We want to be with the in crowd. And so when we find out that there's a famous person who is Catholic, we're like, oh, that's our guy. That's our guy. We like him. And you they back him. They start promoting everything they do. You start following them on everything. And there's an element to that that's fine. And there's an element to that that's dangerous. We don't want to put our trust in princes. And this goes for celebrities as well. We don't want to put our trust in these people because they can let us down. Whenever we put our trust in people and in princes, these people are just like you and I in the sense that they have concupiscence. They have elements and they can fall. And so do you have friends who are Catholic but are not living the most moral of lives and you desire that they be converted? I'm sure you can think of someone. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker that you know this person is a Catholic. Maybe they even go to church on Sunday and they talk about their faith openly, generally speaking, but you know they're not entirely living the life that they you know they should be. Now, this is the kind of person that many people in Hollywood fall into. Many of the people, they may even be, they may even be good people. They may be good people. They may love God. They may be doing their best. But the Hollywood culture, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Buck Hall in, it's so bad. He was telling me last time I was talking to him that the Hollywood culture is so bad that he just needed to get out of it. He said he tried the whole convert Hollywood thing. He said he tried the, let me make a good Catholic production company. But he said the, 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 the bog of it all drags you down and gets mud all over you and you're not able to do what you desire to do, to actually be that light that you want to be. Instead, it drags you down and ends up making you worse. So that's very important to think about, something to keep in mind when we think about these celebrities. And I'm not saying that you should never follow any of them. I mean, if you're following the ones that are completely degenerate, then why not follow the ones that are at least trying to be good, at least on the right path? And then let's pray for them. Let's not just be spectators, but let's be involved in their lives. We may never get to meet many of these celebrities, but we can pray for them. And what a grace it would be to have an authentic and full conversion. But at the same time, let's not pretend that these people are 
emu- and people that we should emulate in the faith. That's the saints. Those are the saints. The saints we should emulate. We should keep them as our examples. And so we should try to emulate the lives of those holy people, those holy people of God. But these people who are of the culture, it's, it's okay to follow them around. It's okay to try to see what movies are in, see what they're interested in. It's fascinating. I understand. But we cannot say, oh, yeah, this is an example of someone who's Catholic and tell our friends, hey, look, this celebrity, he's Catholic. That becomes very dangerous because now they become a representative of the faith. And that's very dangerous for us to do. So I want us to, to think about that and to try to try to understand that when we see these people, they are humans. They make mistakes. They're going to fall. And I don't want to doubt or disparage any of these people. Like, for instance, Shia LaBeouf, I don't, I don't want to say that his conversion was insincere just because he's doing this. Maybe he just hasn't completed it yet. Maybe his yeah. conversion is ongoing. And one day he will end up embracing it full and entire and rejecting everything else. Or maybe it was, in fact, just a fad. He was, he was caught up in the, in the, in the elements of um, uh, method acting, and he just got really into the role of pay, playing Padre Pio, and mm-hmm. he never really converted to begin with. I don't want to make that judgment. I want to presume that he was telling the truth. I want to presume that everything he said was true and honest, and that he may have, maybe he slipped. Maybe he, he fell back into something. Who knows what happened? And but it is concerning when you see these things because people started putting so much stake in Shia LaBeouf's conversion, and we can't do that. Same thing with Mel Gibson. I love Mel Gibson's movies. I think Passion of the Christ is one of the greatest spiritual devotions that you can have during the the season of Lent. You go watching the the Passion of Christ is heart wrenching. Yet Mel Gibson is known for his drunkenness, his revelry, not to mention his purported set of occultism, which we won't get into, but. That it's concerning. It's concerning to to know those things about Mel Gibson. It, it's, he makes such beautiful art. Can we separate the art from the individual? That's another interesting point. And Neil McDonough, from what I've seen, he has no moral failing failings publicly, uh, which is good. I'm glad. And at the same time, he's making a film after about left about the Left Behind series, which is a Protestant theology talking about the rapture. That's concerning to me. Why, why are we as Catholics going to be participating in spreading anti-Catholic fake theology that can lead souls astray? And I'd be curious, is, is still Neil McDonough still Catholic? Did he, did he leave the church? Because that, that is just weird to me. Like I, I, would, I would sooner be in a secular movie than I would in a film that promotes Protestant theology. Now, if it's a Protestant film that's, you know, more generic and less problematic, but this is a, a film that explicitly talks about the rapture and Protestant theology, promoting Protestant theology explicitly. That's concerning to me. And then, obviously, we have the famous case of Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, he has a very well-known for his potty mouth. He's starring in inappropriate films like Ted and Ted 2. He did it twice. That's concerning. Yet he did Father Stu, which is also a point of contention. So my point being, I don't want to disparage any of these people. I Instead, I want to pray for them, and I want to warn Catholics and say, let's look out for these things. Let's look out. Let's not be caught up in the in the craze of the, ne- the newest Catholic celebrity. Instead, let's keep our eyes focused on Christ. When we come back, more with Catholic Drive Time. The GRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. 
What, are we going to have to, like, go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. Paragraph 2223 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. First and foremost, this is in regards to the education in the faith. One really fun way of doing this is to take a Catholic calendar and at the beginning of each month, choose a day to celebrate, either a saint's day or a feast day. For instance, on December 12th, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, spread a serape across the table, have a Mexican food feast and put on the mariachi music. Place a statue or a picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe in the middle of the table. Tell the kids who she is and why you're celebrating. Do this every month with a different saint or feast day and imagine how much of the faith that you will learn together while you have fun as a Catholic family. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can find us at threeheartsinstitute.org. Howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and my name has way too many syllables in it. Adrian Fonseca. That's way too many syllables. I think I have the same amount. Rodolfo Carlos. Yeah, see, that's why you go by Rudy, right? Rudy Carlos. I don't know. It's it's a lot more. It's a lot of syllables. That just make up names. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm just going to change my name, just make it up. My mom's probably weeping right now. She's like, don't change your name. <laughs> and my, my mom was so upset whenever I was uh, joining the Dominican Friars and I told her I was going to change my name. She was like, don't change what? your name. I like your name. I gave it to you. It's true. Like, it, makes, Sorry, it makes you who you are, kind of like your physique, right? I mean, exactly, exactly. And speaking of physique, the which is a great segue. Thank you, Rudy. Is the have you heard of Ozempic? No. Ozempic is this drug that people are being like, enthralled with. It's this drug that's supposed to be this new, the greatest weight loss drug. All the celebrities are taking it. Elon Musk purportedly took a drug that's very similar to Ozempic. And it's great, dude. By the it's way, great. who comes up with these names? I mean, honestly, Ozempic. You see, you see the names of all these different medications uh, is that a job? Can I apply to that job? Can I just like create like who created the colors for Crayola? Is that is that the the, the job you create names for thing? Like I don't know, Ozempic. That's a that's a good point. I never thought about that. That is weird. Is Ozempic is that like it's chemical compound or is it literally just a made up word? Uh, <laughs> that's so weird. It's very interesting. But you know, I was looking at the I was hearing a ton of stories about this over the weekend. I. Uh, was catching up on all the stories and this drug has been become very popular people on TikTok of course um, the source of all good things uh, we see that there but the other thing is i'm going to read to you a section from this uh this document put out by or this news article there you go put out by the daily wire they said leftist chelsea handler claimed during an interview this week that she had no idea she was taking diabetic medicine because Ozempic was technically for people with diabetes, yet they were giving it away as a weight loss drug. The comedian told Alex Cooper on the Call Her Daddy podcast that her doctor gave her Ozempic, which is intended to treat people with type 2 diabetes. And she didn't know what it was. 
My anti-aging doctor just hands it out to anybody, right? She said. And obviously now I can't say her name, but I didn't even know I was on it. Now, there's so many things wrong with this sentence. I don't even know where to begin. This first thing is the anti-aging doctor. Why are we anti-aging? Why are we seeing a doctor for the natural tendencies of our life? Wow, that isn't... Don't you think that's weird how we, we do things like this? Like, what is man... What is the purpose of man? What, what happens to us? We, we get old and we die. And we spend so much money. There's another story I saw over the weekend... That was, it was uh, trying to think off the top of my head. The guy who, who founded Venmo, he was trying to, he was investing like a ridiculous amount of money. Maybe we'll talk about the story sometime this week if we have time about trying to invest money and keeping himself alive. And he was spending like a ridiculous amount of money uh, categorizing every single aspect of his life and trying to treat everything about him. We're trying to make ourselves live forever because we've become materialists. We don't believe in life everlasting or even worse. We do believe in the life everlasting, and we're convinced that we're going to end up in hell. And so we're saying, well, I don't want to end up in hell, so life on earth seems a lot better than that. Maybe that's why progressives, um, they fight so hard to, to change the culture, to you know, inflict some sort of impression on the culture, because they, they believe that's, that's all there is, right? I mean, this is, this is all there is. There's nothing that comes after I die. I'm going to try and leave it in a, in a place where, where the next generation can, I don't know, maybe care about the same things that I do. And then they, 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 they're so pernicious in their, their ambition to, to change the culture, to throw things away, to throw away the eternal. That's why they attack churches and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's 100% correct. And I think even if this is not an explicit intention of these people, I think the demonic influence is there, even if they don't want to admit it, even if it's just a whispering in their ear, it doesn't have to be like they're everyone. All these people are possessed, but the devils are whispering in people's ears. They are guiding actions. And I think that is the guiding action of these progressives Uh, going on with the article. She says Handler said that her doctor told her that if she ever wanted to lose weight fast, this is good. Handler said that she injected the medication before a meeting up with a friend. That's another thing. Why are people injecting things in them? Why? How has that become normal to inject things into yourself? Like, no, not just, just no. I, I hate needles. Before any of the anything controversial came up about anything, I've always just hated needles. So I just always avoided taking the flu shot or anything like that. Uh, but sewing, not based on anything else. You would never sew. I avoided sewing. I avoided. Uh, I wouldn't get my blood drawn even. I wouldn't <laughs> do that because I just hated needles, dude. It just freaks me out. Uh, she says, Handler said that her injection injected the medicine before meeting up with a friend. Handler claimed that her friend said, I'm not really eating anything. I'm so nauseous. Nauseous. I'm on Ozempic. I was like, oh, I'm kind of nauseous too. And I'm like, but I'm not an Ozempic. And she's like, are you sure? I hate how this is written. It's I'm like, and she's like, and I'm like, I don't like that. I'm on, I'm on, she was like, uh, are you sure? Handler continued. Handler claimed she stopped taking the drug because it was meant for heavy people, meaning fat people. I, I think that's also funny. They don't want to talk about people being fat, so they say heavy people. That's too irresponsible, she continued. I'm an irresponsible drug user, but I'm not going to take a diabetic drug. I tried it, and I'm not going to do that. Handler remarks come after she revealed last week that she believed the sun and the moon were the same for most of her adult life. Eh, who cares? The revelation happened when the 47-year-old comedian visited Africa with her sister. I told her some jokes, yada, yada, yada. Going back to Ozempic. 
I thought this was important because Ozempic has also been reported recently that people who are taking it started having droopy face syndrome. People were going in to see their plastic surgeons. And whenever they're going in to see the plastic surgeons, their plastic surgeon wouldn't see their face. They'd say, ah, Ozempic face. And as if it was so common that they knew that people were going in to get that. This is concerning because of a number of things. And I'm just going to point out one thing for now. We have realized in the culture that fasting is good for us. We have realized that fasting is a good way to lose weight. It's a good way to get healthy. It's a good way to rejuvenate ourselves. It's a good way to make ourselves look, feel younger. But we as a culture have no reason to fast except for vanity reasons. Whereas in the church, we fasted, but we fasted for a reason. We fasted for God. We fasted to make sacrifice, to do penance, to make reparation for sins and outrages against God. We fasted for Lent. We fasted on Fridays. There were certain days in the year that was dedicated toward a season of fasting and then a dedicated season for feasting. But when the culture doesn't have any of this, the only reason they're fasting is for their looks, for vain reasons. So now they're caught up in the situation where they're like, oh, fasting is good for you, but I don't, fasting is hard. I don't feel good when I fast. I feel tired and I feel hungry. And so what does the pharmaceutical industry do? The pharmaceutical industry sees, oh, fasting is good for you. Well, I can't let there be a free way for you to take care of your body. So let me give you this drug, which is supposed to take away your cravings. It's supposed to take away some of those things that make you hungry, that make you spike your insulin, all these different things. Instead, let me give you this drug, and that'll make fasting easy. And that's what people do. So they start doing this, and they, and they say, oh, look, I've lost so much weight. But at what cost? At what cost have you done this? And also you realize you're, you're depriving yourself of food for vain reasons. That's, that's not the right reason to be doing it. When we fast, we should be doing it for the Lord. And I'm not saying that you should never fast for health reasons. Of course, why not? But you can also make it a sacrifice to God by offering up those hunger pains. And that's a good thing that we can do, that you and I could do right now. And everyone in the world is realizing that the wisdom of the church for 2,000 years happens to also be good for us. Isn't that shocking? Let me just add here from experience, uh, my will needs to be dominated most of the time. I need, to, I need to align my will with my intellect. And that's the other thing that these people, uh, you know, these health fanatics, these, these vain people, they don't take into account. It's the fact that you're given an opportunity to conquer yourself, and instead you take something out of convenience, and you take that, that part out of the equation. So you never conquer yourself, you just... You just look for the easy way out all the time. And, and when it comes to, to losing weight, you know, just a few days ago, there was a story that uh, the, the government was looking at a way to stop the, the obesity epidemic with mm. teenagers. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, okay, well, of course, you know, we're going to give them exercise and, and you know, that's going to be our starting point. But I, also, we're going to give them pills so that they can curb all of that. What happened to exercise being the primary goal? What happened to eating right? Those two things go hand in hand. But all of a sudden, we're selling convenience. 
a hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's correct, and that it's shocking because the it's not that hard. I mean, it's difficult because you have to, like Rudy said, you have to curb your will, you have to dominate your will, you have to submit your will to to the higher good. But it's not that complicated. You eat less, you exercise more, you're going to lose weight. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not easy, but you can do it. And people want to say, no, don't dominate your will because they realize a man who can conquer his appetite. And when I say man, I mean a human. So a woman too. It's not unique to men. But a man who can conquer his appetite can conquer the world. Why is that? Because if you conquer your appetite, if you can destroy gluttony, all the desert fathers, if you read the desert fathers, they say gluttony is the first vice to conquer. Why is that? Is it because gluttony is the worst of sins? No. Most of the other sins are actually worse. Lust is worse. Pride is worse. Wrath is worse. But the Desert Fathers focus on gluttony as the first sin to conquer. Why? Because you strengthen your will. Whenever you conquer your appetite and say, I'm not going to eat the thing that I want. I have a cookie in front of me. I have a dessert. I have this Dr. Pepper milkshake from Whataburger in front of me. And you're like, I really want to take a drink of that Dr. Pepper milkshake. And you say, no, I'm not going to drink that. Well, you have conquered your will. You have strengthened your will. And now you're able to do battle against your other vices. Now you're able to stand up stronger against what comes next. And they don't want you to do that. The devil doesn't want you to have a strong will. They want you to submit your will to the world, the flesh, and the devil. They want you to submit your will to the culture. But I say no. Let's listen to the Desert Fathers instead. Let's strengthen our will. and Let's conquer appetite. And up next, we have Tito Edwards talking about modesty for priests. All this and more on Catholic Drive Time. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Most of us can recall a childhood memory of innocence and a peace that only comes from God. Yet with our busy schedules today, many families don't attend church weekly or spend much time teaching their children about God. So many families now are burdened by financial and family challenges, substance abuse, and other worries. But there is hope. Studies show that people who pray regularly and practice their Christian faith are less stressed, financially stable, more compassionate, optimistic, healthier, and happier. Experience a positive difference in your life and for your family by coming home to your parish. Learn more by visiting catholicscomehome.org today. Here you may find answers to your questions and discover how Jesus and the sacraments will bless your family. There's no pressure or risk. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. 
I'm Dr. Joe Poyman with Texas Alliance for Life, inviting you to join thousands from across the state at the Texas Rally for Life on Saturday, January 28th at the Capitol in Austin. We'll celebrate the ending of the terrible Roe v. Wade decision that claimed the lives of more than 60 million unborn babies through abortion, and we'll promote the vast resources Texas provides for moms and babies throughout our state. We'll gather at 1 p.m. in downtown Austin and march to the Capitol for the rally at 2. Get more information at TexasRallyForLife.org or call 512-477-1244. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hi, this is Emily White from the San Jose Clinic. You're listening to KSHJ 1430 AM, Catholic Radio for Houston. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. And coming up in just a second, we're going to have Tito Edwards with BigPulpit.com on with us to talk about clerical modesty. Do priests also have to be modest? Hmm. It's an interesting question. We're going to cover that in just a couple minutes with Tito Edwards with BigPulpit.com. But first... Did I ever mention to you that we are giving away a Mercedes-Benz? Oh, yeah. Mercedes-Benz CLA 250. We're giving it away. How can you enter to win? Well, go to grnonline.com. We're selling raffle tickets for this Mercedes-Benz. It's $25 a ticket or 5 for $100. Tell them Catholic Drive Time sent you. And I have to say, we already had a Catholic Drive Time listener win. And I think it would be really cool to have a second Catholic Drive Time listener win. And all you have to do is go to grnonline.com. Or or if you want to be a hero for your city, go contact your local GM, your local general manager, and find out how you can help sell some raffle tickets as well and help and the mission of evangelization for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Also, I want to mention before I forget that GRN is looking for a new and talented production manager. So submit your resumes to careers at grnonline.com. We're looking for someone. If you think you would be a fit for the Catholic Drive Time team, well, submit your resume, careers at grnonline.com. So I think that would be a lot of fun. And I hope if you do send in, well, include your resume, include a cover letter, and maybe include a short two to four minute video about you maybe reading the news and commenting on it or something like that. Get a little feel of how you understand the show and how you think you could participate in the show. I think that would be a fun little thing. And maybe if there's someone does something really good, maybe we can show it on the Catholic Drive Time show. I think that might be a lot of fun. What else? Uh, I also want to share with you in the after show. So at 30 past the hour, we get off of the radio side and we are online only. So we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Actually, we're not on Instagram. We have a we have an Instagram page. We don't stream to Instagram. But on Rumble, on Odyssey, all those platforms, we're there and you can participate. And I want to share with you about my weekend deep sea fishing It was pretty wild. I have to say, sharks were involved. Flying fish were also involved. And I almost fell off. I was told that I would be, I would have land sickness this week and I would be very sick. And I was thinking, 
there's no way I'm going to tell you. Land sickness is real. I had like this whole show. Did you know you could take a Zempic for it? You really? You can take yeah, medicine take, take a for land sickness? Pop a pill and convenient, oh, man. It's nice. I got to go get to me right some of those now. convenience. <laughs> uh, no, but this whole show. I woke up this morning and the world was spinning. Really? And Ed, the whole day since I sat down in this chair, the studio is spinning. Oh man! And like I just been like, sh- I, like if you watch, I don't know if you can tell when you're watching online. I'm just like moving side to side because like I'm just like my equilibrium is all off. Sounds like my teenage days, <laughs> <laughs> which I regret, by the way. Yeah, that's it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's fishing, man, is not for me. What'd you do this weekend, Rudy? This weekend, I spent a lot of quality time with uh, my family. Thanks be to God. I always appreciate those little moments, you know. Uh, I'm trying not to take it for granted. Uh, you know, there was a, kind of a funny story. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe like four or five months ago. I was sitting at, uh, at my kitchen table after just going out to the park with my, my little daughter, Maria. Please keep her in your prayers, by the way. And I sat down at the table. I'm about to start eating dinner. And I just start weeping. And then Ashley looks at me and she says, what's going on with you? Are you all right? And I said, it's just that these moments I'm not going to have ever again, you know, with Maria. Because, you know, kids grow up really fast. And that's true. They grow up like you blink. And Maria's super tall. She's like half the size of my body now. It's, I could <laughs> never have imagined that, you know. And so I, I never, I never, tr- I, I try to never take those opportunities to spend time with our family and take that for granted. So thanks be to God. It was a wonderful weekend. Uh, we, we went out to dinner on Saturday and uh, had a good time. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I didn't awesome. catch a tuna. I didn't catch a tuna, but uh, it was a, a good time. That's good. That's, you know. I am uh, I'm not a crier. I actually had my surgically removed my tear glands. Yeah, I'm not either. It has to be a very, I don't know, a green comet has to be in the sky or something for me to, to start mm. crying or something. I don't know. Just a <laughs> moment of sublimity. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, uh, you know, moments like that, It's I, I just think of, I, I love the word sublime because it just captures something that's like, it's it's beautiful. But it's not simply beautiful. It's something more that that stirs the soul and directs the soul towards God. And, and I think the the gift of the Holy Ghost, fear of the Lord, kind of or one because like, they kind of like try to say fear of the Lord or wonder and all mm-hmm. is I think that's what sublimity is getting at. And and seeing a child grow up, seeing things like that are sublime. Yeah, it's I agree. so special. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, the I would say that the I was my, my when I got home from my fishing trip, my dad was like, "Oh, was was it beautiful out there? Was it great?" <laughs> and I was like, "Everything was terrible. It was horrible." Was it cloudy? Oh, it was, dude. It and was it's so just sad. The giant waves. It's like seven foot swells. The white whale out in the distance <sighs> coming over. Destroy I was like, the ship. I, I felt like it, man. I thought I could see <laughs> it in the distance. I looked up. I was like, well, at least I'll be able to look at the stars at night. Nope. Really? Cloudy. Oh, okay. I had clouds everywhere. You can barely, like, every once, every 30 minutes or so, the moon would peek out. And you're like, oh, I forgot the moon exists. Yeah. It was so dark outside, too, because there was no moonlight or starlight. It was, like, pitch black. Other than the light from the boat, you could see maybe five ten feet in front of you and then our blessed lord was asleep at the head of the ship and you're looking around and you said lord those the the waves 
the wind, it's going to destroy us. And then he said, ye of little faith. And then you caught a tuna. Dude. It really gives a different meaning to the <laughs> to the gospel passages when you're like thinking of our Lord walking on the waves during the storm. Oh man! Like it wasn't even storming; it was just windy, and the waves were crazy. I'm just like thinking, "Oh my goodness, my God is so amazing." Mm. He walked on those waters. Like I was just looking at that water as like this is this could be, this could be the, like I could die at any moment. Mm. These waters are just so intense, and you just look at think about how God just walking in the water and he commands the seas. I was thinking our lady is queen of the oceans. Like, wow, like, that's amazing. Ah, yeah. I don't know. You know there's something about, see, I, I've mentioned it before that, uh, you know, the desert, there's something uh, mystical about the desert. And I don't mean that in like a, uh, a new agey sort of way, even though a lot of you still hold it against me that I came from California, even though I, I don't have any control over that. I didn't have any control <laughs> over where, where I was born. I was born in California and now I'm in Texas. So when I say mystical, I'm not saying this uh, new agey, oh, wow, crystals and that sort of thing. I mean, there's something mystical about the desert. That's why so many uh, saints went out to meditate, to be in solitude. And then on the other hand, there's something about the ocean. There's, 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 um, I don't know, maybe a dread, this abyss of the ocean. It's so vast. It's so, uh, untamed, wild. And, uh, yeah, I think about that, uh, that gospel passage, of course, you know, with the, uh, the 1962 missile during mass, uh, with the traditional Latin mass, you have different mass readings, right? And so for us, uh, we were reading about the account of the apostles in the, in the boat with our blessed Lord Jesus. And I just wanted to share that, you know, even though it seems that we're in, in situations, very dire situations we find ourselves in, not only in the culture, but personally speaking, you know, with our family, our relationships, anything really, we experience a lot of, uh, you know, gusty winds, uh, sketchy situations. And uh, the priest uh, reminded us that even though the, the waves are crashing into the boat, that the, the winds are blowing and it seems like everything's going to fall apart, that he's still with us there on the boat in all of our, our little experiences. And I say little, but in reality, you know how it is. You feel it inside. It must be like the, the biggest thing that's ever going through your, your mind. Uh, but, uh, you know, with that... Just remember that our Lord is with us. And I, I do, uh, I, I would like to ask you, dear listener, for a favor. Please keep my beloved friend, Anthony, and his wife, Sloan, in your prayers. I mentioned him uh, earlier this month. He did lose his son at three days. And, uh, you know, they're, they're having a little bit of, uh, they're going through the grief stages. And they're at a point where, you know, th- some doubts are coming up. So please keep them mm. in your prayers. Absolutely. I would appreciate that. 100%. We'll be praying. For your intentions, that's can't imagine a situation like that. But you know, I, I wanted to talk to Tito Edwards, and he should be joining us at any moment. But we want to talk to him about priestly modesty, and I thought that it was interesting to bring up because priestly modesty and, and the article that was kind of linked up at Big Pulpit was not really the point that I that I really cared too much about. It was bringing up, okay, well, there needs to be you know. Certain boundaries have to be set, and I think that's important to bring up because they were talking about particular cases, and I really don't care to bring up the particular cases, but just the, the question in general, as a generalization, priest, priestly modesty. So what does it mean to be modest? 
And I think that modesty really means to dress according to your state in life. Mm. So if you are a man, you should dress like a man. You should wear, and you should dress to the fullest extent of a man that you can be, that you can. It would be disordered and immodest for you to dress like a king if you were not a king. And that would be rather weird. People would look at you funny. They'd be like, why is that guy dressed like that? The same thing would be if a king dressed like a peasant, you'd be like, why is, why is a king dressed like that? It's very weird. And the same could be said for a priest. A priest is a priest of God. He's in the order of Melchizedek, a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. There are certain garments that we bestow upon the priest to show his office. And it is disordered and immodest for a priest to be not wearing that. And it's a burden that he has to bear. Because, you know, sometimes a priest might want to wear a Hawaiian shirt. Sometimes a priest might want to wear shorts. Sometimes he might want to dress down. But it is out of modesty that the priest wear his clerics. He wear his cassock and surplus whenever he's in the altar, his cassock outside. And it's not some kind of rigidity. In fact, it is understanding modesty. It is showing forth what and who he is as a priest of God. And it sets those boundaries. Because when a lay person sees the priest in a cassock, you recognize, oh yeah, this priest is different from me. The priest is not his own. The priest is not someone that is my my buddy. He is my father, which is why we call our priest father. Because he has to be ready to be able to correct you and to give you admonition if it be necessary. And in a way that a father does, not in the way a friend does. So I think that's important for us. And this is combined with the, uh, goes along with decorum, with how the priest presents himself. It is not fitting that certain people in certain states of life act a certain way. You would hear the saying commonly, it does not really said too much anymore, but that's not very ladylike. What do they mean by that? That's not becoming of a lady. And they mean like certain actions that are like if you're putting your hands in the mud and you're getting all dirty and gross, they'd say that's not very ladylike. Because there's an understanding that ladies had a certain decorum, a certain respect that they gave to their outward appearance, which reflects your inward disposition. And the same thing could be said of priest. That's not very, that's not a very priestly action for a, a priest to, like for instance, if a priest drank a soda and then belched, that's not very priestly in his actions. The same could be said with how he deports himself with the lady. How does he present himself? I think it's important. And I think every priest, every seminarian should think about that. How do you present yourself? All right, coming up, we're going to go into the game show, Fear and Trembling. Don't forget to call 877-757-9424 if you want to be on the call, 877-757-9424. Call now to play Fear and Trembling, 877-757-9424. Coming up in just a second. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. 
That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. That is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Holy raffle bet, man! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now we have our game show. So make sure you call in 877-757-9424 if you want to participate in Fear and Trembling, our game show. We have Rudy Carlos waiting on a line for you to call in 877-757-9424. And we have... A hundred percent opportunity for you to be our contestant. And we have, if you call in right now at 877-757-9424, you will be our contestant to win an amazing prize. And the game show, it's not that complicated. Between you and me, it's just going to be Rudy and I on the show today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the question to Rudy. And Rudy is going to give a true statement or a false statement. And you have to guess. So either way, you get a 50-50 chance. Just like normal, there's a 50-50 chance of you winning today's show. So if you call in, we're going to have – I'm going to ask a question to Rudy. He's going to say an answer, and I'm going to say, all right, you let me know. Is it true or is it false? His answer. Is he lying to you? Is he telling you the truth? Very simple. And we are, and, and today we have our game show uh, contestant prize. And I'll let Rudy Carlos tell that prize in just a second. But thank you all for everyone who called in. We have a caller that came through. So thank you very much to you who called in. But Rudy Carlos, what can our contestants win this week? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Divinia Water. You may remember them from our uh, our uh, game show just a few months ago. Divinia Water is the most distinguished bottled water on the market. 
It's free from microplastics, heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, which is very important. I'll get to that in just a minute. And hundreds of other contaminants. Davinia is the only truly purified water brand to be bottled in glass for quality. It's bottled in pristine Idaho on a bottling line blessed by a Catholic priest. And Davinia is run by a Catholic family dedicated to preserving God's natural surroundings while giving you the best in clean, functional hydration. They have offered a uh, 12-pack of their water, which we will have them send to you, the winner, this week on Friday. The, if you're interested in this, though, and I'm going to talk about these pharmaceuticals for just a second here. We did a video with... Um, I can't remember her name, actually. We We did talk to somebody. So if you go to our YouTube page and you search for... Uh, uh, pharmaceuticals in water on our YouTube uh, videos. You're going to find this interview that we did where this, uh, this uh, guest discusses the sorts of things that are inside of your water. The water supply is contaminated. So if you want to consider uh, finding an alternative, a clean water alternative, make sure to check out DaviniaWater.com. Wow, very cool. You know, it kind of reminds me of old time. Like you look in the old restaurants and the everything, I mean, not restaurants, and grocery stores, no plastic anywhere. Everything yeah. was like glass and glass. things like that. Mm -hmm. And you think of the milkman bringing you a jar of glass milk. milk Only glasses. the finest leaded glass mm. for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We have on the line Sandy from San Antonio. Good morning to you, Sandy. Sandy. Are you there? Yes, good morning. Good morning yes, to you, Sandy. Morning. Uh, where are you good off morning. to today, this morning? To work. To work. Awesome. Well, yes. what is work? Is, do you... Uh, what, in the legal field. In the legal field. Oh. oh wow. We got a, uh, a lawyer on our Sandy, hands. Sandy, I need, someone, a, I need a lawyer, so... Uh, so <laughs> hey, we got to be careful. She's going to see right through our tricks. <laughs> All righty, Sandy. Well, thank you very much for, for calling in. We are going to go right into our first question. And uh, do you know how to play the game, Sandy? I do. Awesome, awesome. All right, so it's going to be a little different. And the only difference is it's still a 50-50 chance of you winning. The only difference is I'm going to ask Rudy Carlos the question, and he's going to give me a true statement or a false statement. And you're going to have to tell me, is Rudy lying to you or is he telling you the truth? It's going to be up to you to discern that. Are you ready for it, Sandy? Okay. I am. Awesome. Let's jump into it. All righty, Rudy. Are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. Let's jump in. The first question, which saint originated the custom of erecting the nativity scene? Okay. Uh, well, that would be, let's see. Uh, well, I'm going to say that uh, it was St. Francis. St. Francis. Yes. The guy who was friends with St. Dominic, that St. Francis? That's the one. That's the one. Okay, the one who confronted the Sultan and was like, hey, you got to convert. Exactly. That's wow. exa that's that's him. That's a really great St. Francis. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's him. He's the guy. <laughs> All righty, Sandy. Rudy Carlos seems to think that it was St. Francis, which is the saint who originated the custom of erecting nativity scenes. You let me know, Sandy. Is Rudy telling the truth? Is he lying to you? Yes or no? True or false? Is St. Francis the correct answer? True or false? Sandy. I want to say no. Are you hmm. sure? Are you sure you want to uh, say no? no? I'm not sure. No. Yes. 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 True. Yes. yes it's correct. Hmm. Yes. That Are is correct. You sure? Yeah. It's <laughs> St. Francis. Praise be to God. St. Francis did, in fact, he went to the Holy Land 
and he started he saw that amazing practice of erecting these uh these nativity scenes and so he said what if we brought this elsewhere and so he started the practice and it wasn't popularized until saint leonard of fort maurice fun facts okay question number two are you ready sandy yes all right here we go all right rudy what is the name given to the wounds resembling those of the lord Ah, yes. The wounds that resemble those of the Lord. Some people receive these. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have to be very holy people. It is actually an honor to be able to suffer the same sufferings that our Lord had. Mm -hmm. We call those stigmatas. Stigmatas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Stigmatas. That's very interesting. Isn't there a movie about that? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Don't watch that one. Yeah, I heard it was was not very good. (laughs) It was not very good. But you're talking about the, those things that Padre Pio had, right? That's right. Okay. St. Okay. Rita. St. Rita. Didn't St. Francis have that too? I think so. Huh. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay. Sandy from San Antonio. What yes. is the name given to the wounds resembling those of the Lord? Rudy says that that is stigmata. Is that true? Is that false? Is the answer stigmata? True or false? What say you, Sandy? It's true. It's true. Yes. There you go. True. Yay. We nailed it. Another one in the cup. Very nice. Divine prophet. So wise. You, you are. It's, it's hard to trick Sandy. I've noticed this. Sandy. She's obviously, she obviously works in legal field. That's true. That's very she clear. She read the fine print. She knows. She stamped the papers. She's been analyzing us and she knows all of our tricks. She presented her case. It's over. It is. It's over, over for us. But it's not over her. It's back. We're back for, <laughs> for Sandy. And speaking of we're back, let's go to back to number three. Question number three. Are you ready, Rudy? I am ready. Let's do this. All right. So question number three is, what is the maximum, the absolute most, you can't have more than this, the maximum number of plenary indulgences that may be gained in one day? Just in one day? In one day. Okay, okay. With that distinction, I'm going to say that you can get at least three. At least three. It's very hard to do it, but you can get three, and you can do it every single day. Wow. Three. What are you guys up to That's amazing. I guess it's very symbolic of, like, the Trinity. That's true. Wow. That's a beautiful symbolism right there. All right, Sandy. The question is, what is the maximum number of plenary indulgences that me that may be gained in one day that means plenary indulgence you know plenary indulgence is right. an indulgence that remits all temporal punishment due to sin how many can be gained in a day rudy carlos says that you can gain up to three a day that's awesome if you're not doing that i don't know why what you're doing is he telling the truth is he lying to you Sandy, true or false, is the answer three? Uh, false. False. Wow. Nailed it. Three for three. You got it. Sandy. How did you're you, a genius. How did you know? You are so well catechized. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. No, the correct answer is, in fact, one. Just one. You can receive only one plenary indulgence a day. And, you know, might I add, could you think of offering that plenary indulgence for the holy souls in purgatory. Oh yeah. That would be such a grace. Yes. It would be such a gift yes. to offer those 
All right. Definitely. Thank you very much, Sandy. Sandy, Thank you. Thank I, you. You, you nailed that game. You, it just <laughs> was so easy for you. What's your secret? Just listening to you guys, I learned a lot. Awesome. Praise be to God. Awesome. Praise be to God. <laughs> All right, Sandy, we're going to put you on hold, and Rudy Carlos will come and uh, pick up your call in just a second. And so let me put you on hold. Thank you very much, Sandy, for, for being on with us. And, you know, guys, you are going to want to tune in because starting on the uh, in just a minute, we're going to go into the after show. And during the after show, we're going to answer your questions, comments or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities or anything in between. All those things we're going to be talking about with you. So if you're listening online or on the radio, then make sure that whenever you're in a safe space, don't get on your phone while you're driving. But when you get in a safe space, then go online to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and join us on one of our social feeds and we can interact with you live right there and and read your comments. And remember, we like comments of any kind, questions, comments, concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. And before I forget, remember, we have a car raffle to give away. Your journey is waiting. We're giving away a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250, one ticket for $25 or five for $100, a car raffle, All proceeds go to benefit the Guadalupe Radio Network. So if you want to help participate, you're saying, I'm not really a gambling man, because I'm not either. But whenever raffles like this come up, I usually buy some because I want to support the organization. Because I'm like, "Ah, I really don't like buying raffle tickets. It's not really my thing. I don't like gambling and that kind of thing. And not for me. But I want to support this organization. Therefore, I'm going to buy a raffle ticket. And that could be you. So make sure... And if you want to be a super champ, then make sure you contact your local general manager and buy a ticket from him directly and maybe pick up a few to sell to some family and friends. That would make you a real hero. All right. I'll see you either tomorrow morning at 6 to 8 Central, 7 to 9 Eastern across the GRN, or I'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Visit our website at ourladyofcorpuschristi.org or salt.net. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for those who are joining us online and those who are listening to us on Guadalupe Radio. Today is the fourth, is the Monday in the fourth week of Ordinary Time. Please join us in singing Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of our fathers living still In spite of dungeon, fire, and sword Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy Whene'er we hear that glorious word 
faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. <clears throat> My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Grant us, Lord our God, that we may honor you with all our mind and love everyone in truth of heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, what more shall I say? I have not time to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, did what was righteous, obtained the promises. They closed the mouths of lions, put out raging fires, escaped the devouring sword. Out of weakness they were made powerful, became strong in battle, and turned back foreign invaders. Women received back their dead through resurrection. Some were tortured and would not accept deliverance in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others endured mockery, scourging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawed in two, put to death at sword's point. They went about in skins of sheep or goats, needy, afflicted, tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered about in deserts and on mountains, in caves and in crevices in the earth. Yet all these, though approved because of their faith, did not receive what had been promised. God had foreseen something better for us, so that without us they should not be made perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. How great is the goodness, O Lord, which you have in store for those who fear you, and which toward those who take refuge in you, you show in the sight of the children of men. Let your, your hearts, hearts take, take comfort, comfort, all who hope, hope in, in the Lord. Lord. You hide them in the shelter of your presence from the plottings of men. You screen them within your abode from the strife of tongues. Let, Let your, your hearts, hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, whose wondrous mercy he has shown me in a fortified city. Let your, your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Once I said in my anguish, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard the sound of my pleading when I cried out to you. Let your, Let your hearts, hearts take, take comfort, comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Love the Lord, all you his faithful ones. The Lord keeps those who are constant, but more than requits those who act proudly. 
Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the territory of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, at once a man from the tombs who had an unclean spirit met him. The man had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any longer, even with a chain. In fact, he had frequently been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles smashed, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the hillsides, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. Catching sight of Jesus from a distance, he ran up and prostrated himself before him, crying out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He had been saying to him, Unclean spirit, come out of the man. He asked him, What is your name? He replied, Legion is my name. There are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they pleaded with him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. And he let them, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. The herd of about two thousand rushed down a steep bank into the sea where they were drowned. The swine herds ran away and reported the incident in the town and throughout the countryside, and people came out to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were seized with fear. Those who witnessed the incident explained to them what had happened to the possessed man and to the swine. Then they began to beg him to leave their district. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed pleaded to remain with him. But Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, Go home to your family and announce to them all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. The man went off and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The readings we have today, particularly the letter to the Hebrews, kind of dovetails very beautifully with the gospel we had yesterday, the Beatitudes. Jesus culminates the Beatitudes by saying, blessed are you when you are persecuted and insulted for my, for my sake. Rejoice and be glad. The kingdom of heaven is yours. The letter to the Hebrews, it's very inspiring. It's actually supposed to encourage us, encourage to strengthen our hearts of those who have gone before us with faith. The faith that they had was able to conquer kingdoms. 
you would think that the writer was not speaking about the Old Testament times, but in fact the early church, when he talks about there were those who were stoned, sawed in two, put to death by the sword, they went around in skins and sheep and goats, needy, afflicted, tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered about in deserts and on mountains and caves and in crevices in the earth. They had faith and they kept their eyes on the Lord. They kept their eyes on God and the promise that he had made. Now they did not experience, of course, the promise. It is only to come later with Jesus Christ that it would be fulfilled. But we have the treasure. We have the ability through our faith to be able to obtain these better things that the letter of the Hebrews keeps speaking of. To have faith, to keep our eyes on the Lord. Our co-founder, Father John McHugh, always used to say, keep your eyes on the Lord, your heart on the cross, and your feet on the ground. Your eyes on the Lord, heart on the cross, your feet on the ground. That's important, especially in our day, although maybe we're not to the point where we'll be sawed in two, but we might be put in prison, or we might, be, we might lose our job. I think it, the gospel reminds us that Jesus is not necessarily good for business. The swine herders found out out. Here's this man in the tombs. You know, it's like you know, the, the old saying, better the devil you know than the one you don't know. When they saw this, this man, his right mind, whom Jesus had expelled this demons, they were actually quite scared. It's like, I'd rather have this guy running around the hills screaming and doing whatnot than for him to come and to be fine and then all to lose our livelihood, which is the, the swine that have run down the bank. I'd rather that happen. There are many people today who really do suffer for their faith, but have a great and deep faith. One of our novices was sharing that uh, his parents, or one of his parents was actually in jail for about a year during the op um, Operation Rescue in the 80s and 90s, where people would sometimes would chain themselves to the doors of abortion clinics so that nobody would go in. They devised all kinds of different ways. But one of the things he said was very interesting was that in, in jail, the, the other prisoners were very or say, less receptive. They didn't give them any trouble because they knew that these people were in jail, not because they did something for themselves, but that they were trying to do something for others. They kind of respected them in that way. And so their faith really became, in a way, a light for, those in, for all those in prison. In the same way, our faith does the same things when we're persecuted. For those of you who are out there and you, sometimes you're going to work and you feel like you're going to go into the battlefield because you're having to put up with so many different things. Now, you may not have to explicitly say a lot, but the opportunity may come to witness to your faith, to the promise that Jesus has made. Just remember all those in that first reading who have gone before you with faith to be strong. They should encourage you. All the martyrs that have suffered for their faith, all those who have lost everything, their property, because of their faith, but they kept their eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. We plead for him. We plead that we would become, we, we, could be, we would be great disciples of the Lord and that we would not lose heart or we, we would not lose our faith in those moments we may have to experience persecution. Let's ask the Lord to strengthen our hearts and that those words of Jesus yesterday, blessed are you, the kingdom of heaven is yours, would always remain firm and rooted deep in our hearts and spirits.
We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask, Almighty God, that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. Let us pray for all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve. Let us pray to the Lord. For peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for those who are persecuted for their faith, that they may remain strong and vigilant, always trusting in the Lord and in his promises. We pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. By the mystery of this water and wine, we come to share in the divinity of Christ, humble himself to share in our humanity. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. With humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord. May our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, the praise and glory of his name, for good and the good of all his holy church. O Lord, we bring to your altar these offerings of our service. Be pleased to receive them, we pray, and transform them into the sacrament of our redemption through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, his death we celebrate in love. His resurrection we confess with living faith, and his coming in glory we await with unwavering hope. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you, as without end we acclaim. 
Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself 
all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, Qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. But only say the word and my soul shall be. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Father, we thank Thee who hast planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for Thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal, Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy. Save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain once scattered on the hillsides Was in this broken bread made one So from all lands thy church be gathered Into thy kingdom by thy Son Let us pray. Nourished by these redeeming gifts, we pray, O Lord, that through this help to eternal salvation, true faith may ever increase. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our fathers chained in prisons dark were still in The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
Hi, my name is Presley. And Sarah. We are from St. Teresa Catholic School in Memorial Park, and you're listening to KSHJ AM 1430 Houston. We love our school because our teachers and classes are fun and cool. cool.